Red or Dead is sponsored by Libro.fm Audiobooks. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know which one we're talking about, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports the community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to bring more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of Red or Dead can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. You can head to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the code BR3. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 46, and we are recording on Tuesday, February 26th. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I am a little bit under the weather. I'm, I was like in denial about potentially being sick until like today, and I was like, oh no, this is like gonna be a thing now, isn't it? But I'm trying very hard to like make sure it doesn't become a major thing because I do not need that in my life. <laughs> no one does. I mean, Let's yes, be real. <laughs> no one does. But I'm usually like the person who is able to avoid most of the time the colds that go through every winter. But this year, I, it's because I was outside on Sunday when it was like 65 mile per hour winds and like 20 degrees outside. And it, that was like a terrible life choice, but it had to be done. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, we've got in in my department, we've got a cold that's been kind of tearing through. And like, we've had a few rounds of colds that have kind of hit, like everyone at the library. But this is like the most recent one. And one of and a couple of my coworkers and my manager have been sick recently. So I'm really hoping that it doesn't it doesn't hit me because I've I have had you know, pretty pretty good luck when it comes to avoiding this stuff, knock on wood. Um, but the last year or so, last couple of years, there like I've I've been hit with with some kind of with some kind of a cold and I'm just like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's also a thing that's like spreading around at my work too. So I think that probably doesn't help the situation either. But like I'm pretty good about avoiding people <laughs> in general in life as well as <laughs> when they are getting sick. Um, and like my work doesn't require me being like upfront with people like right next to people who are sick all the time, which is very lucky. So but still, I, I think I'm just like getting a version of whatever is going around. Yeah, I think that has actually strengthened my immune system from working at a public library and interacting with the public because I like my like with the exception of a couple like a cold each year, I really have like the last five six years i have not had any like really bad illnesses like you know i might have a cold that sidelines me for a day or so but other than that like it has been good and considering like i've had like i I remember distinctly years ago a parent was and their kid 
were coming in to get a library card and the kid was right at nose level with the desk and they just sneezed all over the desk. Like, didn't even try to cover their mouth. Like, and they were like probably five or six. So I'm like, you're right at that age where you can get a pass, but I still expect more from you. (laughs) (laughs) But they just sneezed and they just tilted their head back and sneezed all over the desk. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) So considering that that's what I deal with on a daily basis, I'm like, okay, I think I think I've gotten off pretty easy. So hopefully the universe isn't uh, isn't going to uh, isn't like you know saving up and then you know hitting me with uh, strep throat that keeps me out for a week like it did years ago. Yeah, I I'm usually like I'm pretty surprised because usually if I am gonna get sick, I usually get sick around January. Um, and so I thought like, I might, it's the end of February, I might actually get out of this season without anything major. But this, if this is the worst of what I get, I'm lucky because it's really just like some sinus congestion. Um, it isn't anything major. So I'm perfectly content if this is the worst of it, as long as it doesn't get any worse than this. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully it won't. But even though March weather is supposed to be awful. Oh, I know. I don't even want to talk about the weather reports for like next week. I'm like, this is depressing. But who knows? In like a lion, out like a lamb, or whatever it is that they say. Yeah, well, I think it's in like a lion, out like live another lion, and you're probably going to get <laughs> snow in May. That's what I think this is going to be. <laughs> that really is like the Chicago motto. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I've had a cranky day. I'm feeling kind of cranky about, about Chicago weather in general. Um, also, because we, we had a light dusting of snow as I was driving home from work today. And we had people, the, the speed limit on the highway that I take to get back to my apartment is, speed limit is 65. Most people go 75 or 80. And we had someone going 55 in the left-hand Ooh. lane. And I oh. wanted to murder them. I wanted to murder them. I'm like, it is not slippery. You can see you can see the, the lane dividers. You, you got to pick it up, Buster Brown. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, again, th- I think this is like another like sort of Chicago specific thing where it's like, if you're not going fast enough, move over. Like there are four, uh, three other lanes usually that you can go slower in. Why are you doing it in the left lane? <laughs> I know. I'm just like, oh my, oh my God. I was, I, I came home late and I was just like, oh. But now we're going to talk about books. Yes. And I feel like this is so much better than anything that has happened to me today. (laughs) Books always are. Books always are. So with that note, um, if you are a longtime listener of the show, welcome back. If you are a new listener of the show, welcome. We hope you stick around for many episodes to come. So we talk about mysteries and thrillers, not including the mystery of why people drive 55 in the left-hand lane on the highway. That is a mystery that probably will never be solved. But we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and movie adaptations and anything and everything in between. And this is, as usual, our call for um, episode ideas, suggestions, questions, reading recommendations. Um, as you know, as we always do at the beginning of our episodes, we put out the call to you guys if you have any topics or things that you are interested in hearing us talk about. Um, if there's something that you've come across that you think is super interesting, um, send us an email, hit us up on Twitter, let us know because we love using these ideas for our episodes. 
And we will have our contact information at the end of the show. So make sure to, you know, stick around for the, to the end to listen for that. But, you know, we just, we love hearing from you guys. You guys have had some really great ideas and we've discovered some really awesome books from the, from the topics that you guys have suggested to us. So we are eternally grateful for that. Um, and we want, we want to keep this show rolling. Um, so with that, Rinzi, do you want to kick us off with a couple of news pieces? All right. So the first one that I have is uh, just a little bit of adaptation news. Uh, there is a new book called The Lost Night by Andrea Bartz, which actually just came out today, February 26th, the day that we're recording this. Um, and so the news is just that it's been optioned for television by Mila Kunis's uh, production company. The piece that uh, we'll be linking to is in Parade Magazine. Um, and there's not like a whole lot of information in here just because it's also a Q&A with the author, though. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can check it out. Um, this one is getting or this specific book is getting uh, compared to books like Lucky's Girl Alive and things like that. Um, so if you are interested in checking it out, you can. Um, or if you are just the type of person who likes to read the books that get picked up for um, adaptations, so that way you've read them before uh you see them uh the lost night by andrea bartz is potentially going to be on television sometime in the future <laughs> and then um the other one that i'm going to talk about is kind of a really interesting piece it's from um the high plains public radio which i don't even know what part of the country this is covering um, to be honest <laughs> But it's a really great piece uh, talking about the difference between thrillers and mysteries and also like the history behind them. And so I'm going to just like sum up some of the key points. This is a really great in-depth article. Um, it's also obviously like an uh, audio bit. So if you are someone who likes to listen to public radio pieces, things like that, you can listen to this as well. Uh, but basically, uh, this piece uh, compares how thrillers, when they were originally written, were specifically written for uh, male audiences and how mysteries were general, generally written for more female audiences. And so uh, the writer of this piece is Linda Rodriguez. And so she talks about um, how some of the earliest thrillers, like The Riddle of the Sands, was published in 1903 and didn't have a single female character in it. Um, it wasn't until like the 1970s that like the women actually started being part of what are typically like thrillers as opposed to like straightforward mysteries. Um, and that mysteries, on the other hand, tend to have more both female writers and female characters be a part of it. And that the change basically happened because of like the war and the way the war is depicted and things like that. Um, and how like, basically like the golden age of mysteries had more like gender neutral things like both men and women were a part of the stories and things like that but it's a really really interesting piece that looks at like the history of mysteries and thrillers and i think would be of interest of interest to anyone who's listening to this podcast um one of the earliest episodes that we did of rudder dead was the breakdown between mysteries thrillers and suspense books and so i feel like this is like a really great uh, resource for more information on sort of the difference between these different genres. Yeah, I'm um, just skimming through it. It just seems like a really interesting read. Also, while you were talking, I googled High Plains uh, Public Radio is uh, based out is headquartered in Garden City, Kansas, and serves the High Plains region of Western Kansas, the Texas Panhandle, the Oklahoma Panhandle, and Eastern Colorado. 
Uh, I mean, that's basically what I think of when I think of High Plains. I wasn't sure if it was <laughs> just like one of those states that was going to get covered. So I think it works. There we go. Okay. So in other news, let's see. There, um, There's uh, adaptation news. The um, There's a book, that, the which I had never heard of until I saw this news piece. The Five by Hallie Rubenhold is a book that looks at the lives of the five... Um, known victims of Jack the Ripper and like looks at the lives of the women rather than the crimes of Jack the Ripper. So it's giving these women who were who were murdered, it gives them a voice and um, kind of tells their story. And that is going to be adapted for I don't remember if it's TV or film. Um, but that is going that is going to be adapted by Gwyneth Hughes from Vanity Fair. And then um, also, we, I know Rincia, you and I were discussing beforehand, we're like, God, did we talk about this already? And, or, and the answer is yes and no. Um, so um, a, a while ago, we mentioned that Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio were developing The Devil in the White City. Um, and so for a while, it was kind of not much was happening with that. Um, but recently, uh, news came out that they are going to be working with Hulu um, for this adaptation. So I don't know, I don't have much more information than that, but it is the gears are starting to are starting to turn for this. Um, so yeah, the Devil in the White City. I oh, I love that book so much, um, and I like Leonardo DiCaprio as an actor. So I would be really interested to see him play H. H. Holmes. Um, so I'm excited to hear more about this. So yeah, keep listening as soon as we have more information about that, which will hopefully come sooner than the than the last update that we had, um, we will uh, keep all of you informed. I wonder if they're going to film that in Chicago or not. I hope so. I know that would be really cool if they were. I feel like they kind of they kind of have to. I mean, these days they could just like green screen the <sighs> entire thing. So you can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> I could hear it in your sigh. Oh, good. I'm told. I'm told I'm very expressive <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> Okay, so with that, um, let's jump into our uh, first sponsor for the episode, which is Fierce Reads and the book What We Buried by Kate A. Borman. Do you ever just want to be believed? Siblings Liv and Jory Brewer have grown up resenting each other. The only thing they have in common is contempt for their parents. When their parents mysteriously vanish, Jory and Liv are forced to work together. What starts as a simple overnight road trip soon takes a turn for the dangerous and surreal. As the duo speeds through the deserts of Nevada, brother and sister will unearth deep family secrets that force them to relive their past as they try to regain a grip on the present. It's a psychological thrill ride that will have readers racing through the pages to discover the truth. For fans of books like We Were Liars and One of Us is Lying, the story is told from the split viewpoints of siblings Liv and Jory. And while this is very much a thriller, it is also a heartbreaking and heartwarming sibling story. Liv is a former beauty pageant queen. Jory has Mobius syndrome, and the two of them have been pitted against each other since they were little kids growing up in Las Vegas. And at the heart of the story is a tale of forgiveness and reconciliation. So so if you are interested in these types of psychological thrillers with a lot of heart, with sounds like with really interesting characters, um, also sounds like it's geared towards a more teen, young adult, new adult audience, since the comparisons are that they gave her both uh, young adult books. But if that is up your alley, you will definitely want to check out What We Buried by Kate A. Borman. And we thank Fierce Reads very much for sponsoring this episode. All right. So for this episode, we thought that we would talk about a topic that Katie and I are not very well versed in. 
but uh, we got an email from a listener about it. And so we figured, why not give it a try? Um, And so that is to talk about espionage novels. Um, So Katie and I both had a little bit of a hard time just uh, figuring out which books we wanted to talk about because neither of us read a lot of espionage novels. They don't really fall into like the types of mysteries and thrillers that we necessarily enjoy. So I feel like both of us did a pretty good job of finding ones that are also slightly out of the box. So if you are listening to this and you're like, espionage is not really my jam either, we might actually have something here for you. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember when we were talking about this and I was going, oh, God, I don't want to read a spy novel. Because we think of the spy novel as like, you know, like, well, James Bond is like the the original spy novel. And I have read Casino Royale and I hated it <laughs> because I, I'm like. Like, I love the movie, like like the, the Daniel Craig movie. I love that movie. Um, but the book, I was just, I'm like, I know James Bond was written, like, a while ago, like 1950s. I was just, just, I could barely get through the misogyny just dripping off of every page. It just, I was, I just wanted to, like, beat my head in with this book. And if you are into James Bond, uh, you, if you like the James Bond books, you know, they are classics. They really, like, kicked off, you know, they, they are classics for a reason that, you know, there is there is literary value to them. I just couldn't stand it. Um, but when I think of espionage novels, I think of very male-driven, um, you know, um, like, globetrotting, Mission Impossible type of action spy thriller and it's just not my jam um but um the book that i picked and i am actually uh i'm looking up the release date because i can't remember if it's been released yet or not yeah it is it has it just came out this month okay it was it's been out this month so the book that i read was american spy by lauren wilkinson um which i which I gravitated towards because it's written by a black woman. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a different spy thriller than the the type that you probably already think of the written by, you know, a you know, that's written by a white man. Um so this book is really really interesting because it jumps back and forth in time. The the story starts off with um, the main character, um, whose name is Marie Mitchell, and she she kills an intruder in her home. She and her two kids are um, they. It's the three of them living living at home, and she and she kills this intruder. Um, and she doesn't know who he is, but she has an idea of why he's there, and she takes her children. And she flies them all out to uh, Martinique, where her where her mother lives. And the rest of the story kind of jumps back and forth between the present, um, where she's like talking to her mom about you know kind of what's going on and and all that stuff, and then the the story of basically why this man came to. <laughs> Uh, break into into her house like and she's telling it like she's telling her children the story the story 
Um, and so it's a really interesting framework to start off with. Um, but the heart of the story, when all of the, the action takes place, it's um, the mid-80s, heart of the Cold War. Marie is an intelligence officer with, with the FBI. Um, so already she is at a disadvantage. So she's a young black woman working in, you know, kind of a good old boys club in a very male-dominated industry. Um, her career has really stalled. She's overlooked for any kind of high-profile assignments. Um, and then she is approached by a stranger who gives her an opportunity to join a task force uh, aimed at undermining a foreign uh, politician um, he is who is the his name is Thomas and he is a he is a president the president of Burkina Faso and he and his group have basically taken over that they have they've taken over the country by force and installed their own government and it appears to be you know for the people um, but this is also in the you know like I said in the heart of the Cold War so there are issues with communism coming up. And basically, the FBI, um, the CIA, these these types of organizations, they want to undermine him because they don't want communism to gain a foothold in Burkina Faso. Um, so she agrees to, even though she's seen him, um, you know, he he's uh, given talks to these radical groups in New York City. She's so she's familiar with his ideas and the way he presents himself, and she's thinking. You know, there's actually, I don't totally disagree with everything that he's saying. And there's he's very charismatic, and there's like this weird kind of attraction that she feels to him. Um, but she, um, and so she's she's got like all of these forces pulling at her. And then there's also, she has the opportunity to work with someone um, who knew her sister, who mysteriously died, um, who died years ago, and ultimately was the reason why Marie took a job in the FBI. And so she wants to work with this with this guy who who dated her sister. She wants to get more information about her, what happened to her. Um, and the whole time she is sent to Burkina Faso to seduce um, to seduce Thomas, the the president. And kind of and undermine him and get and and get night infiltrate his inner circle. This book has so many layers to it. And when I, the other thing that I don't necessarily care for with espionage thrillers is that with some of them you feel like you have to have a knowledge of global politics or something along those lines so that you can sort of keep up with why we need to steal this country's secrets and why you know they're you know they're going to you know they're they're targeting this city and politics especially global politics is not my area of expertise um not not even really an area of interest um so it can feel very overwhelming for me um but with this book i was like i know nothing about burkina faso nothing all i know is that it exists um, but the way she tells the story, I mean, she's telling it to her, her children, you know, with the idea that they'll be reading this as they're older. So she like explains stuff about, okay, this is kind of what's happening. This is the history. This is, you know, this is what's going on. And it just creates this really vivid portrait of what the, what, of this portion of the political climate at the, at the time, both in the U.S. and and um, in other countries. Um, 
And so, and this, and the other thing too is that this book is based on true events. Thomas Sankar is actually, um, is known as Africa's Che Guevara. Um, so it's, there's so many layers going on. It's not a, like a super fast paced Mission Impossible type of popcorn thriller, but it's, it's more literary in that sense, but it's so interesting and you get you get all of these layers, and then there are elements of the story where she where Marie talks about growing up that it feels like it's a very much a coming of age story in New York City, and is just really beautifully written. And I was so surprised that I'm like, see, this is the kind of espionage novel I would like to read, and I did read it, and it was great. Um, and it it really everything you think an espion an espion espionage novel is this just turns it completely on its head it's a completely different perspective um and i just i really really enjoyed it more than i was expecting to and i really think this is a book that everyone should pick up and read um even though it's not a like you know like a popcorn page turning thriller um it is it is a compelling read it's not that long it's just over 300 pages i got through it pretty quickly um it's it's really, really interesting. Um, so again, that is American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson. And it is and it has um, already it was published a couple of weeks ago. So if you're interested, you can uh, get a copy of it. <laughs> well, if you do want a complete popcorn thrill ride type of book, I have the book for you. Um, so the book I picked for this is Liar's Candle by August Thomas. And this is actually a debut thriller. So it's a, you know, someone brand new uh, to the scene. And I actually really enjoyed it. it. This is not typically the type of book I like. Um, and, but it is that sort of like really fun, really plot driven sort of story. Um, so in this book, you are following this, uh, girl named Penny. She is an intern at the U.S. Embassy in Turkey. And the story starts with her waking up in the hospital on July 5th. Um, she, uh, again, was an intern at the embassy, and there was a bombing at the embassy on July 4th. And it kills almost everyone at the embassy, including like all of her friends and colleagues. And she like remembers like barely anything from the tragic event when she wakes up. Um, but she finds out that there was like a photograph of her, uh, like, I think, like pulling a, an American flag out from the rubble or something like that, that's sort of become like this iconic photo from this event. Um, and when the story starts, uh, she's meeting with some higher ups at the embassy uh, to sort of figure out what she remembers from the event. Because when the bombing occurred, she was right next to one of her friends and colleagues named Zach. Uh, and it turns out that Zach is now being investigated because they think he might have been a traitor because he has gone missing. Um, and there was like another person that was next to her and Zach, who uh, apparently is like a Turkish political person who uh, shouldn't have been uh, able to get into the event. Um, but as Penny's getting all of this information, she also realizes that like something's kind of up and she's not really sure like who she can trust because she like knew Zach and she was friends with him and things like that. And so she's like becoming concerned that they're targeting the wrong person and Zach might potentially be a scapegoat and she might actually end up becoming a scapegoat. Um, and so as she's looking into it, she somehow ends up escaping because of reasons. Um, and the story is basically her uh, 
as well as some other characters sort of trying to find out the truth, trying to find Zach, um, and trying to figure out what exactly happened. So yeah, like I said, this is like a story that's like pure plot. Like if you just want a page turner, like think of your standard summer beach book sort of thing. This would be great for that. Like it's a really, really fun story. There are parts of it that are a little bit irritating, if only because like Penny feels sometimes like the most naive and the most idealistic person ever. Um, But I'm also just like, well, I guess if she's a college intern, she's probably like 20. So maybe that's just how 20 year olds are. (laughs) Uh, But as like a 32 year old who's become significantly more skeptical about the world, there are sometimes where like, in these political thrillers, you're like, come on, Penny, use your brain a little bit. Like, these are clearly people you should not be trusting. <laughs> or like, why are you so idealistic about things? But again, I might just be jaded and old. <laughs> <laughs> 32 and cranky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but otherwise, yes, I found this to be really good. There's actually another character in here who uh, works for the CIA who I actually really enjoyed a lot. And if there was another book uh, that focused on him, I would actually really love it. So if you're listening, August Thomas, which I know you are not, um, <laughs> I would not mind that sequel. Um, but yeah, there are parts of this that feel like super idealistic and some like plot points where I'm like, oh, that was a little bit too easy. But again, it's I feel like it's one of those books where you're not supposed to be thinking too hard about it. Uh, so <laughs> if you just want like something fun and something fast paced and something that you know, we'll keep your interest without like, you know, causing like that whole thing about like needing to know political uh, dynamics and global political dynamics and things like that. Like you can basically figure out the gist of it from this book. Like they don't go super deep into all of the different like U.S.-Turkey relations or anything like that. Not that you really can because it's changing all the time. Um, But yeah, like it just starts off like really, really fun, really strong, and is just like a fun, fast paced read that I think would actually be a really great movie at some point in time if anyone is interested in a spy thriller to pick up an option. Well, I I love it because I didn't realize just from looking at the title or the author for your book until I googled her, I didn't realize that she was a woman. Um, So I love that we both picked female driven spy novels. Yeah, and actually, um, August Thomas. I think worked at in Turkey um and like has like a background in like geopolitical things. Uh I don't know exactly what her background is, but it's like something along those lines, so I feel like she's also pulling from real life experience, which is a thing I liked because I feel like the way uh the setting and stuff is set up, like the different places that Penny and the different characters go to, like it's very much written by someone who has been in the country before, which is also nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I, I was um, skimming her bio and it, yeah, it sounds like she, that she's spent a lot of time over in Turkey. So, um, so that's, that's a, that's a really cool, um, that's a really cool point. Um, so yeah, if you guys have any, um, any other suggestions for us, whether they are non-traditional spy novels, or I would even be open, like, if you have one that's like, look, I know you don't like spy novels, and this one may not seem like it's up your alley, but trust me, it's really good. I would, I might be willing to, 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 uh, take a, you know, try one of those. You just have to, you just might have to do a little extra convincing. But if you think you're up to it, or if you have any other, uh, good suggestions for us, um, in this subgenre, please do let us know because we're always looking for fun new books um, to talk about and broaden our reading horizons and all that fun stuff. Um, So yeah, and then hopefully pick up these two books because yeah, I I think we both did an excellent job in picking 
non-traditional in one way or another spy novels. Yeah, agreed. All right. So I have our next sponsor for this episode, and that is A Justified Murder by Jude Duvero. The town of Lackland, Florida was rocked when two bodies were uncovered in the roots of a fallen tree. Despite their lack of investigative experience, Sarah Medler, her niece Kate, and Jack Wyatt found themselves at the center of the mystery. After a narrow escape, they vowed to never again involve themselves in something so dangerous, until Janet Beeson is murdered. Sarah, Kate, and Jack are determined to leave this case to the professionals, but once the town gets talking, they begin to see that there are more secrets buried in quiet Lackland than anyone could have imagined. A Justified Murder is a mystery of old secrets, deadly grudges, and the improbable group of friends who are determined to uncover the truth regardless of the consequences. So A Justified Murder is book two in the Medlar mystery series, uh, following book one, which was A Willing Murder. Readers of this co- of Cozy Mysteries and people who are fans of writers like Mary Higgins Clark will love Jude's Medlar mystery novels. Uh, Jude Devereaux is a number one New York Times bestselling uh, writer and uh, it has gotten like great reviews from places like Kirkus Reviews, things like that. So again, if you enjoy those sort of cozy or cozy adjacent mysteries, uh, then you can pick up uh, Justified Murder by Jude Devereaux. And thanks so much to them for sponsoring this episode. All right. So I'm going to blast through new releases. Um, so yeah, there again, there are a lot of a lot of new releases to choose from for the next couple of weeks. So we picked just a few to highlight. Um, but yeah, there are plenty more coming out. Um, the first one is Hunting Game by Helene Turston. Um, which is out today, or w- is already out by the time you're listening to this, February 26th. Um, it's the first installment in her brand new series featuring the strong, smart detective inspector Embla Nystrom. Uh, Embla Nystrom is 28 years old, and she has been plagued by chronic nightmares and racing thoughts ever since she can remember. She is a talented hunter and a prize-winning Nordic welterweight. She uh, And she is also glad to be taking a vacation from her high-stress job to attend the annual moose hunt with her family and friends. I missed the annual moose hunt part when I was looking at this, and now I just want to read this book even more. Um... <laughs> But when she arrives at her uncle's cabin in rural Dalsland, she sees an unfamiliar face has joined the group. Peter, who is enigmatic, attractive, and newly divorced. And she isn't the only one to notice. One longtime member of the hunt doesn't welcome the presence of an outsider and is quick to point out that with Peter, the group's number reaches 13, a bad omen. Sure enough, a string of unsettling incidents follow, culminating in the disappearance of two hunters. Embla takes charge of the search, and they soon find one of the missing men floating face down, river, face down in the nearby lake. With the help of local reinforcements, Embla do- delves into the dark past of her fellow hunters in search of a killer. Um, So again, that is Hunting Game by Helene Turston, and that is available for purchase. And then the next uh, three books are all out next week on March 5th. First one uh, we have talked about on a previous episode is Smoke and Ashes by Abir Mukherjee, um, which I think, Rinsey, you talked about is your most, um, one of your most uh, anticipated books of 2019. Um, I think this is the third book in the series um, with... uh, Camp with Captain Sam Wyndham um, takes place in India, 1921. Uh, Sam Wyndham is still haunted by his memories of World War One, um, battling a serious addiction to opium that he has to keep secret from his superiors on the Calcutta police force. And when he is summoned to investigate a grisly murder, he is stunned at the sight of the body because he has seen the body before. Um, 
And uh, a drug-addled haze the night, the last, the previous night, he stumbled across a corpse with the same ritualistic injuries, and it seems like there is now a deranged killer on the loose. Unfortunately for Sam, the corpse was in an opium den, and revealing his presence there could cost him his career. With the aid of his quick-witted Indian sergeant, Surrender Not uh, Banerjee, Sam must try to solve the two murders, all the while keeping his personal demons secret before someone else turns up dead. And again, that is Smoke and Ashes by Abir Mukherjee. And then uh, we have a young adult title, A Question of Holmes by Brittany Cavallaro, um, who the, this is the same series that started off with A Study in Charlotte, um, if you read that one. Um, so this is the uh, culminating book in the trilogy or duology. I can't remember how many books are in this series. Um, but it, it follows Charlotte Holmes and Jamie Watson, who finally have the chance to start over. Um, with all the freedom their pre-college summer program provides and no one on their tail, the only mystery they need to solve once and for all is what they are to each other. But upon their arrival at Oxford, Charlotte is immediately drawn into a new case. A series of accidents befell the theater program at Oxford last year, culminating in a young woman going missing on the night of a major performance. The mystery has gone unsolved, the case is cold, and no one, least of all the girls' peculiar close-knit group of friends, is talking. When Watson and Holmes join the theater program, the accidents start anew, giving them no choice but to throw themselves into the case. But as the complicated lines of friendship, love, and loyalty blur, time is running out, and tragedy waits in the wings. Um, so again, that is A Question of Holmes by Brittany Cavallaro. And then finally... We have The Devil Aspect by Craig Russell, also out March 5th, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to have to read this whole thing. It's just, it's so bonkers. It is a terrifying novel set in Czechoslovakia in 1935, in which a brilliant young psychiatrist takes his new post at an asylum for the criminally insane that, ho that houses only six inmates, the country's most depraved murderers, while in Prague, a detective struggles to understand a brutal serial killer who has spread fear through the city and who may have ties to the asylum. In 1935, Viktor Kosarek, a psychiatrist newly trained by Carl Jung, arrives at the infamous, uh, oh boy, Rad Orlu Asylum for the Criminally Insane. The facility is located in a medieval mountaintop castle outside of Prague, although the site is infamous for concealing dark secrets going back many generations. The asylum houses the country's six most treacherous killers, known to the staff as the woodcutter, the clown, the glass collector, the vegetarian, the psyomancer, and the demon. And Victor hopes to use a new medical technique to prove that these patients share a common archetype of evil, a phenomenon known as the devil aspect. As he begins to learn the stunning secrets of these patients, five men and one woman, Victor must face the disturbing possibility that these six may share another dark truth. Meanwhile, in Prague, fear grips the city as a phantom serial killer emerges in the dark alleys. Police investigator Lucas Smolak, desperate to locate the culprit, dubbed Leather Apron in the newspapers, realizes that the killer is imitating the most notorious serial killer from a century earlier, Jack the Ripper. Smolak turns to the doctors at the asylum for their expertise with the psychotic criminal mind, though he worries that Leather Apron might have some connection to the six inmates in the asylum. Steeped in the folklore of Eastern Europe and set in the shadow of Nazi darkness erupting just beyond the Czech border, this stylishly written, tightly coiled, richly imagined novel is propulsively entertaining and impossible to put down. This description is just so bonkers, and I actually have an advanced copy of that sitting in my car right now. I think I may have to pick this up right away. Um, and again, that is The Devil Aspect by Craig Russell. Yeah, that last one sounds amazing and kind of insane, so I'm going to need you to report back when you get to it will do.
<laughs> All right. So to wrap things up, uh, we always talk about the books that we've been reading or plan on reading. So since we last recorded, I finished reading Bitter Orange by Claire Fuller, which I think I mentioned really briefly in the last episode, but I didn't really talk too much about it because I had just started it. Um, and this was a good book. It has, it's it's not really like a straightforward mystery or thriller or anything like that. It's sort of like historical fiction with a suspense underling to it um, or underlying to it. It gave me sort of like Daphne du Maurier vibes, although it's not quite at Daphne du Maurier level because no one is at Daphne du Maurier level. Uh, so this one takes place in like the late 1960s and it takes place in like the English countryside. Uh, there is, you're following this character named Francis who lives in or is staying in the attic of this like old English country mansion. And uh, these this couple uh, named Kara and Peter end up moving into the rooms below hers in the mansion. Um, and so the two end up basically forming like a friendship to with each other. Um, one of the things about uh, the way that this is set up is that there's actually a hole in the floorboard in Frances's bathroom that allows her to basically like look down into the Kara and Peter's apartment. Um, so there is like a little bit of this like rear window sort of edge to it. Um, but also like you can tell that there are things sort of up with Kara and Peter and you're not really sure what exactly is going on in the beginning. Um, and so you're just sort of like following this story over the course of this one summer. Um, it's written in the perspective of Francis telling the story about the summer to someone else. Um, so you're just sort of like watching things slowly unfold. And it's it's a good book. Like it's not necessarily my favorite sort of literary suspense book or anything like that. But I think it is one of those books that has like the atmosphere that feels like slightly suffocating. Um, it has that sort of anxiety sort of rolling through the pages and things like that. And there's quite a bit of it that I didn't really see coming. Um, again, if you're it has like that unreliable narrator thing going on a little bit too. So there is a part of this that uh, while you're reading the book, you're kind of questioning everything that's going on, not really sure what you can and can't believe. Um, so if you are someone who enjoys sort of like literary suspense novels, again, sort of like Daphne du Maurier, but not quite at Daphne du Maurier level, then I definitely recommend reading uh, Bitter Orange by Claire Fuller. And then in terms of like what I'm going to be reading next, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be picking up the plotters this week. I feel like I've said that for like multiple episodes now, but <laughs> I, I have it. And so I keep like planning on reading it and then something else comes up. So yes, I, I do want to read this book. And it was one of my most anticipated of the year. And I just need to prioritize, you know, <laughs> book reading as opposed to like everything else going on in life. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, it's funny. I took my most recent finishes were definitely more of the literary sense. Um, I did finish We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Um, it was a I was it was a little anticlimactic. Um, but I also thought about thought that the first time I read The Haunting of Hill House. Um, so I think I might just need to read it again. But I really did appreciate it. It's very it's a very gothic type of story. It's very slow burn and it's just kind of like you know the the idea of what is acceptable behavior in society and amongst people um you know what is acceptable what's not who decides that um and just 
behavior like within a family and amongst other people and it's it is very it is unsettling it's very unsettling because the whole time you're just like this whole this whole situation is just not right um so i really i i did enjoy it i think it's worth a reread and i imagine that i'll probably like it even more the second time um and then i also finished the descent by tim johnston um about a girl who is taken uh, while running through the Rocky Mountains with her brother. He's hit by a car. She um, accepts the help of a stranger. He says, hey, I'll take you down uh, to the to the village where there's a phone and you can call for help. She never makes it. Um, and so the story, it, the majority of the story takes place like, like one, two, three years after she is taken and it follows the different family members and how they are coping or not coping with her disappearance. Um, and then it's also interspersed with um, her experiences um, after being kidnapped and what happens and stuff. So it has that alternating plot line that I really enjoy. Um, it was a very, I wasn't, it drags a little in the middle, but ultimately I thought it was a very satisfying read. Like I finished it and I was like, okay, that's that's the book I wanted this to be. Um and I it's it's really it's it is very much a literary type of thriller. Um but it is very engrossing, very compelling. Um and I think I think definitely worth the read and I'm also interested in reading um his book The Current which uh, came, either already came out or is just about to come out and I can't remember. Too many dates to keep track of. Um but I I did enjoy this one. So this was The Descent by Tim Johnston. And then in terms of what I'm starting, um, I did start reading Baby Teeth by Zoja Stage or Zoji or it's, it's, it's the book with the broken lollipop on the cover or the, the lollipop on the cover about the seven year old psychopath who, who starts psychologically tormenting her mother. And I got 50 pages into it and I was like, I have to put this down for a little bit. This is scaring the bejesus out of me. <laughs> Um, but I am going to pick it back up again and keep reading, um, because it is very compelling. It's just terrifying. Um, and then I also remembered that I have a copy of The Perfect Nanny by Leila Slimani, because one family-based domestic thriller isn't enough. Why not throw another one in there? So, um, hopefully I'll be able to finish both of those by uh, next episode. All right. So that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening and checking us out. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen and ch click on the Red or Dead page. There'll be links to everything that we talked about in this episode, including the news stories at the top of the, at the, top of the show, um, as well as the books that we talked about in this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can discover us. Um, and if you want to send us an email with like feedback or like future episode ideas, you can definitely do that. Uh, you can email us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And I am on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.